Chapter 7 of St. Joseph of Cupertino. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Aaron Stone. St. Joseph of Cupertino by Rev. Angelo Pastrovici. Translated by Rev. Francis S. Lang. Chapter 7 in his life he did great wonders as had been recounted above joseph was not well talented he had only sufficient knowledge of latin to use in the breviary and the missal god however bestowed on him a measure of wisdom which amazed even learned theologians he penetrated deeply into the meaning of holy scripture especially of the psalms and would say no better spiritual book can be found than the breviary to me it is the source of all profit when asked regarding the more difficult mysteries for example the most blessed trinity the incarnation predestination the efficacy of grace justification and similar subjects he would reply readily with great erudition and would solve the difficulties proposed by very learned men on such occasions he made use of comparisons from the material world and explained all questions with such lucidity that he soon convinced his hearers of the many and learned religious who questioned him one admitted he knows more than i another said now i am learning a new and more excellent theology a third asserted my conversations with Father Joseph have been of greater use to me than many years of study. A fourth declared, Joseph speaks more profoundly on theological subjects than the foremost theologians of the world. All agreed that the gifts of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, science, and intellect were made manifest in Joseph. And to this heavenly light of wisdom was added another, by means of which joseph knew the thoughts and secrets of others when anyone stained with sin came to him he said go wash your face which you have sullied with ink or adjust your bow referring to the person's guilty conscience if such a person replied he was not conscious of any particular sin joseph would add the time place and circumstances of the sin on the return of such a person after confession he kindly said, Now all is well again with you. He even knew the guilty ones without seeing them. Once he said to one who rapped at his door, Go first to confession, then come again and enter. Similar occurrences are recorded of him as a confessor. A woman made her confession and added that she knew of no other sin. But the saint replied, Confess those evil thoughts to which you consented naming the occasion and place. The woman thereupon confessed that it had indeed been so. In like manner, he said to a novice, whom he had advised to write his general confession, My son, here you have not expressed yourself well, for it was not as you have written here, but thus and thus. On one occasion he revealed in a discourse to the novices their most hidden faults, so that all were greatly amazed. If any one prayed the divine office, the litany, or rosary with him, Father Joseph called attention to any distractions the person entertained. To one, he said, remain here. 
thus referring to his wandering thoughts. To another, he said, You have prayed thee our father very distractedly. Another, who had not yet prayed the office for the day, was asked at nightfall by the saint, Where is the divine office? The breviary cries out against you. It is related that people who had not had clear conscience or were slaves to passion dreaded to meet him. As he disclosed faults, so too he often revealed to others their good works and anxieties. Thus, he thanked a lady named Elizabeth, whom he met coming from church, for a salve regina which she had prayed for him. To a tetiary who feared to reveal to him some doubts which troubled her, he said, Why do you fear? Tell me your difficulties. Without allowing her to speak, he then revealed to her all she had wished to say to him. On another occasion, he said to the same person, Yesterday you scourged yourself and practiced one other mortification. You entertained this thought. In future, you must do this and omit that. He revealed to Cardinal Rapaccioli, Bishop of Terni, the good works he had done while in his room. Another time, when the cardinal was much disturbed by doubts and was about to send a letter to Joseph explaining them, he received a letter from the saint in which, to his amazement, he found his doubts solved in detail. In a like manner, a religious received of Joseph, through a companion, advice regarding several matters about which he intended to consult him. To another, who was very sad that he had not entered a stricter order, Joseph cheerily said, what is the matter? Why are you sad? Can you not practice what the reformati do? Be satisfied in the order in which you have taken vows. Even hidden thoughts were revealed to the servant of God. He gently reproved a novice who, during terse, had thought of the fruit in the garden, by repeating verbally to him what he had said to himself, namely, Today I shall climb the fig tree and eat my fill. A lay brother, who was his companion on a journey, and carried a goldfinch, thought of different persons to whom the saint might wish to present the bird. Joseph suddenly turned to him and said, Not to any of the persons of whom you have thought will I give the bird, but I will set it free. He thereupon opened the cage and let the bird fly. Distance was no bar to his knowledge. One night, while Joseph was at prayer in the church at Grotella, a lady who suffered severe pain sent her servant to request the saint to come. Before the man could deliver his message, the saint said, Son, go home. The pain has ceased, and your lady is well. One evening, when speaking with the guardian, he suddenly exclaimed, Oh, what a stench! Oh, what a hellish stench! The guardian noticed nothing, but Joseph, knowing the cause of the stench he perceived, obtained permission, hurried as fast as he could to Copertino, went directly to a certain house and rapped at the door till he was admitted. He then ran up the steps and came upon a number of sorcerers, men and women, with salves and oils and vases and in pots on the fire. In holy indignation he broke the vases into fragments with his cane, while his countenance appeared so terrible that the guilty ones fled in dismay. The saint revealed the recovery of persons who lay sick at Rome, and the death of others, notably Popes Urban the Eighth and Innocent the Tenth, 
who died at the time he had foretold. Many other instances of his knowledge of great things that had happened, long before or at a great distance, could be adduced on sworn testimony of trustworthy witnesses. The saint foretold the events of his own life even to the minutest details. His prophecies regarding others are very numerous. We will, however, content ourselves with narrating a few. A mother brought to him her two sons, that he might bless them before they set out for Rome, where they meant to study for the degree of doctor. What? said the saint. Doctors? Yes, doctors in heaven. The two died soon after. A noble Polish youth asked him whether it were better for him to marry or to take orders, and received the answer. Neither the one nor the other. A few months later the youth died. A sick man commended himself to the saint that he might recover so as to provide for his wife and parents. The saint rejoiced. Why do you think of wife, of father, of mother? You need patience, my son, for God wishes to take you to himself. O oh, paradise, how beautiful is paradise! His prophecy was fulfilled in all its details, for the sick man recovered, but died a sudden death within a month. In like manner, Joseph foresaw the circumstances of the death of many others and the recovery of the sick. Once, on seeing a vain courtesan, he said to the bystanders, Behold, a Magdalene! He then turned to her and said, God calls thee, leave this vain finery and love God, thou Magdalene. She obeyed the summons of grace, and after her conversion took the name Magdalene. Two prophecies regarding a notary public came true. Because he had not heeded Joseph's words, this notary was subjected to suffering, which the saint had foretold. He then entered the clerical state, but without the hope of becoming a priest because his father had left him no fortune. Joseph, however, said to him, Be of good cheer. When the time comes, God will provide for you. And, indeed, he received the needed patrimony from a person of whom he had least expected it. When Portalongan was besieged by the king of Spain in 1649, our saint foretold that the city would fall on the Feast of the Assumption, as indeed happened. A doctor at Assisi had often commended himself to Joseph's prayers, asking that a son might be born to him. When his wife was near death in travel, the physician hastened to the saint to implore his prayer, but the latter reassured him by saying that the lady's life was not in danger. After the doctor had gone, Joseph smilingly said to a fellow religious, Tonight a son will be born to the doctor. I did not wish to reveal it to him, lest it be said that I pose as a prophet. His words came true. A marriage was the occasion of several remarkable prophecies. The saint sent congratulations to the father of a young lady because of a projected alliance. The man thanked him for the civility, but answered that, owing to the great social inequity between the persons in question, the realization of his wish was far distant. Thereupon Joseph said with a smile, But what if her husband is already born? The marriage was made in heaven and will be contracted on earth. The marriage took place. The mother of the bride, 
fearing that witchcraft might have influenced the transaction, sent to Joseph requesting him to say mass for her intention, but without making known her suspicion. The servant of God sent her word that she should not fear, and, because he was sick, have the mass said by her pastor. The marriage might then take place without delay, and in time a son would be born to those about to wed. The woman, astonished and full of joy, especially because of the promised son, requested that Joseph stand sponsor for the boy. The saint, however, replied that she should make a better choice because he would no longer be among the living. All the words of the saint were verified. To a brave young man who was preparing to go to war, Joseph foretold that he would not go. Thus it came to pass. A religious who was destined for the Congo mission was told by the saint that he would not go to the mission, as indeed happened. Another religious was commanded to go to Perugia to study, but Joseph remarked to him, One is well off at Urbino, too. The friar went to Urbino and not Perugia. Joseph said to the father Raphael Palma, Custos of the monastery at Assisi, Oh, what a handsome head! How well a mitre will grace it! The priest became a bishop. The dignity of the cardinalate he prophesied to Nicholas Albergati, who later took the name Louis, to Antony Bici, Bishop of Osimo, and to Father Lawrence Brancati of Loria. All three perceived the sacred purple. The saint foretold to John Casimir, who later became King of Poland, his elevation to the throne. To Cardinal Benedict Aldescalchi, later Pope Innocent VI, who much desired the arrival of a supply of grain to prevent a scarcity in Ferrara, where he was legate, he foretold its early arrival. The two custodes of Assisi were cheered by Joseph's promise that the need of their monastery would soon be relieved, and they received abundant help. The religious requested a favor of the newly elected Father General. The saint prophesied that he would receive it, but not until many years later, and from another general. Thus it came to pass. In short, whatever Joseph foretold came true to the smallest detail. Joseph was frequently honored by heavenly visions. Saints appeared to him and conversed with him about paradise. Angels, in visible form, brought him heavenly comfort. Jesus Christ appeared to him in the form of a tender child, in the consecrated host, and on other occasions, nestled in his arms and by sweet words and fond caresses filled him with ineffable delight. God revealed some of these favors to other souls. Sister Catherine of Cantu, a tertiary, saw Joseph enter Assisi accompanied by two angels. To Sister Cecilia Nobili of Nocera, it was revealed that Joseph's guardian angel was of a higher angelic choir than those of ordinary men. The saint had such a great reverence for his guardian angel that he never entered his cell without inviting the angel to enter first. The same vulnerable servant of God, Sister Cecilia, saw the soul of Joseph take refuge in the wound of the side of Christ, and at another time she saw his soul on the top of a very high mountain, which signified the mountain of perfection. 
more than by such testimony of pious souls joseph's sanctity was attested by the devil the greatest enemy of all holiness thus satan said to a religious who was exercising him and who bound a girdle which the saint had blessed about the possessed one if you knew the virtue of this friar and how pleasing his soul is to god you would be astonished i must acknowledge this because god forces me to speak friar joseph is the worst foe we have the infernal spirits treated joseph as their enemy one night the servant of god was standing before the altar of saint francis in the basilica at assisi when he heard the door opened violently and saw a man enter who advanced so noisily that his feet seemed cast in iron the saint regarded him closely and saw that as he approached the lamps went out one by one till finally all were extinguished and the intruder stood at his side in utter darkness thereupon the devil for he it was furiously attacked joseph threw him on the floor and attempted to strangle him joseph however invoked saint francis and saw him come forth from his tomb and relight with a small candle all the lamps at the gleam of which the fiend suddenly vanished by reason of this occurrence joseph gave saint francis the name light lamper of the church the devil made other attempts on the life of joseph by throwing him into a rapid stream in order to drown him by taking hold of him to tear him to pieces and by endeavouring to run him through with a sword but all to no purpose though the evil one did succeed in striking him so terribly that his fellow religious were horrified by the noise of the many blows and the rattling of chains he did not succeed in tiring the patience of the saint when asked by his fellow religious as to the cause of the strange noises in his cell at night joseph laughingly replied it was only fun all the devil accomplished by his implacable hatred was to give unmistakable proof of joseph's sanctity our saint frequently wrought miracles we have already mentioned some and shall now relate a few others of the many that are on record in the hands of joseph or at his word bread wine honey and other similar things were multiplied the lame and the cripple he cured by giving them a crucifix to kiss he restored sight to the blind by the touch of his hand by placing on their heads his beretta or something he had written by the sign of the cross he healed many of the fever and even recalled the dying to life a nobleman of naples once entered the cell of father joseph and insolently said impious hypocrite it is not your person but the religious garb you wear which i respect and to it i trust that if you will make the sign of the cross over my wound it will heal he then uncovered the wound joseph smiled and replied with joyful and humble mien what you say is true he blessed the wound and it healed immediately the rare gift of bilocation being in two places at the same time was given to our saint on two occasions there lived at Copertino an old man, Octavius Picino, who was generally called Father. 
he had requested the saint, while living at Rotella, to assist him in the hour of death. The saint had promised to do so, and added, I shall assist you even though I should be in Rome. The promise was a prophecy, and its fulfillment involved a miracle. Joseph was at Rome when the old man fell sick, but at the approach of his last hour hastened to assist him. He was seen by many witnesses, especially by Sister Teresa Fatali of the Third Order, who on this occasion spoke to him and in amazement asked, Father Joseph, how did you come? He replied, I came to assist the soul of Father, and then suddenly disappeared. While living at Assisi, he was seen at Capertino assisting his mother in the hour of death. She had much desire to see him, and cried out in sorrow, Alas, my dear Joseph, I shall not see you again. Presently a bright light filled the room, and the dying woman, on seeing her son, joyfully exclaimed, Oh, Father Joseph, oh, my son! At the same time the father Custos at Assisi met Joseph, sad and in tears, about to enter the church. The father Custos inquired as to the cause of his sadness. With a sob, Joseph replied, My poor mother has just died. Events proved the truth of his word, for a letter from Copertino soon brought the sad news. Several persons who lived with his mother and who later came to Osimo solemnly testified that the saint had assisted his mother on her deathbed. A very amazing miracle was wrought by our saint at Copertino. A flock of sheep had been killed by enormously large hailstones, and the shepherds begged the saint to help them. Joseph hurried out into the field, lifted up his heart to God, and then raised the animals one by one from the ground, saying, In the name of God, arise. All the animals arose and the shepherds were so amazed that they could not utter a word to thank their benefactor. End of chapter 7